The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kraftchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters, so we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is, things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in, so feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by Onesie Date, an event planning company dedicated to bringing cool people together. And you're just in luck. Their next event will be June 18th with Dateable Podcast as a special guest. We will be recreating the dating game live on stage. Get your tickets today by searching the words Onesie Party on Eventbrite or by going to our website at datablepodcast.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Datable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. And that very beautiful, lovely... You always say I have a beautiful, lovely voice. Will you just tell me I have an ugly voice for once? Listen, that voice that you just heard that was like really hard on the ears, unfortunately, yeah. I'm sorry to say everyone, that was my partner, UA. And that very creative introduction of my terrible voice is Michael Vargas. Did you notice my voice is back though? Yay! I'm no longer Marge Simpson. So um, for those of you who are listening, you can't see this, but we have a full house in the studio right now. We have a lot of people watching and listening. You may be hearing like just a little bit of commentary from people left and right. So on each episode, we dissect a dating story and that little giggle you just heard comes from our friend Xavier. Hey, Xavier. Hey, everyone. <laughs> what is your dating story? Um, it starts when I I was hanging out with my ex-girlfriend actually. To she She made me promise to do something without talking to me about it. And she just said, give me your word, you're going to do whatever I tell you after this. And so I said... Real, real quick, was she your ex at the time? She was my ex at the time. And so I trusted her. So I said, okay. This is where strap-ons come in. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, I did this uh, life coaching program. I want you to do it. And I said, okay, this sounds really weird. And then I went and did it. And I went from um, kind of a cocky asshole to a less cocky asshole <laughs> after I went through this program. Was it Landmark? It was a landmark program. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I, I went through an experiential training, learned about myself and my emotions, and then I went back for three months and learned how to coach it. And so I became a life coach. And one of the trainings that I went back to coach, a girl came came in. She comes in. Um, her name is Jen, and I immediately was connected to her for some reason. And um, she coincidentally was brought into that environment by another life coach. And so she chose to be in my group and it was like an instant attraction. It was something about it, it was energy, right? And she would, it was weird, like we would, I'd be watching her and she would tell me later that she could feel me watching her. It was one of those things, it was very weird. I knew her for a week in person, that was it. And I felt really connected to her, so we stayed in touch. A week later she moved to China 
and her boyfriend, who was the other life coach, was going to move with her. Oh, she had a boyfriend. Yeah, they were together. And this is another guy that was my peer. And I kept in touch with her, and we started Skyping, and I fell in love with her, like before I even dated her. You fell Quick. in love over Skype. Yeah, I did. Without ever having touched her? Yeah, without ever having dated her or been in a private environment with her. And for me, it was that after my last relationship and after having learned the tools and skills that I did, I decided that I was going to go all in. When I found the right thing, I was going to go all in. And I wasn't going to hold anything back. I was going to put my heart on the line and see what happened. I tell her this over Skype, and I told her, like, listen, I'm falling in love with you, and this can't keep going. Like, I can't be your friend. It's one or the other, and you're with this guy, so you got to decide. And the next day, she called me and said she broke up with him. And so the day after that, I decided to move to China. I'd quit my job here. I was working for a big consulting company. And I put in notice. I said, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to see what happens. Wow. Which, by the way, is uncharacteristic of you. Yeah, I'm always the guy. That's Xavier's sister talking right there. He always had a direction in his life. And so for him to take such a divergent turn was... It was crazy. The family thought I was crazy. Right. The life coach going off course, basically. All right. Interesting. But at the same, you know, tone, I was following my heart for the first time in my life. And I decided just to go for it. So... I decided to move to China. Where in China? We were going to move to Beijing, but we ended up, to Shanghai, we ended up moving to Beijing. The first day I get there, two months later, after not having dated her, we move into her uncle's house with her family there together on day one. I know, this is, yeah, it it gets better. (laughs) Um, So we move in on day one together and we realize that the same thing you'd expect to realize, we're very far apart from where we thought we were, obviously, right? But we were already all in. Both of us were all in. And the, the, my thought was, if two people can go all in and get committed to each other from the start, then it can work. Like, regardless of who they are and where they come from, like, you can make that work if you're committed. Right? Completely agree. Completely agree. That's what a commitment is. Uh, what? Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shatter my dreams. So we lived together for six months in China and realized we were very far apart. I didn't want to be in China anymore because of uh, other factors, right? Like oh, yeah. it was the air quality in Beijing. It's like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't know the language. So it was great while I was there, but I decided to come back and she came back with me. And so we ended up living in the Bay Area um, for a year together. But when we came back, right when we came back, six months in, she told me that she's not a monogamous person and that she wants to be, she knows that at some point she's going to be with other men. And at that point, I was in love with this girl. And so I had a decision to make. It was, do I get recommitted and try and see what happens? Like, am I open enough and confident enough to do this for a person that I am in love with or am I not? And I decided to do it. So we decided to be in an open relationship six months in. It came from her wanting to be, but ultimately we both did it. I mean, if, if I was going to be in that situation, I was going to do it too. It's like, right. it wasn't because right. I really wanted it, yeah. but it was, I felt like it was the best way to protect my heart in a situation where I could get really hurt. If I felt like it was equal, at least I had that, right? That was she, the logic. So for those other months of knowing her, she never told you that. She didn't tell me that. And she didn't tell me up front which is fine. I mean, she told me when she told me and it was part of her process and I get it. It was my choice to stay with her, right? So I did. Mm -hmm. And then we went through the motions, right? We started going through this thing and I was the one to actually step outside of the relationship first and it was fine. And then as soon as she did it, 
this well of jealousy came up from inside of me, like really vicious jealousy, ugly stuff. And I didn't realize that I had that in me, right? And the process of dealing with that and understanding that women are not my possession to have in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. That a relationship is not possession and that partnership is not possession actually helped me to become a much better man and partner myself. So going through those emotions actually put me in a position where unless my partner dies at some point in the future, there's nothing I can go through that I couldn't handle. Like actually prepared me to, to be ready for anything and everything that happened. Infidelity wasn't a problem anymore, mm -hmm. as long as we weren't lying to each other, right? As mm -hmm. long as we were honest and open and could be together with whatever happened, right? It was us against everything else. So the first time she, I like your words, stepped out of the relationship, how did you find out? Did she come to you and say? She told me, what and I knew, I knew. I questioned her, because I knew what happened. I could see it. We, we were so close. Did she tell you, or did you question her? I questioned her about it because I could see it. I could see something happen. Something was different. And I asked her, I was like, did you hook up with somebody this weekend? She, she told me, yeah. And she told me what happened. I instantly went to, I'm not good enough as a man uh -huh. because she wanted somebody else. And it was uh, a sense of like self-worth. It was a self-worth thing. Like I, I can't be who I need to be for you to be happy, right? That was the first reaction. Mm -hmm. And what I learned over time as this happened more and more is that that's not it at all. It's like one, I, what I think now is that one person can't be everything to anybody. Like you actually need to have those experiences with other people in order to be healthy as a human, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Biologically, psychologically, physiologically, all the logically ways, right? You need to have those experiences with other people. And so going through that actually helped me to learn that. Even though I had all the tools and the skills and I knew how to interact with people and coach people, that forcing myself to go through that was actually the best thing I could have ever done. So, fast forward a little bit. So we're in, we're in Oakland, we're experiencing this stuff, I'm going through the most powerful emotions I've ever experienced in my life. Like, the strongest love and the strongest jealousy at the same time. Mm. We decide that we want to go to New York together. So we go to New York, we move to New York, out of San Francisco. What? Yeah. And we get a spot. Mind you, meanwhile, I was like, this bitch is not worth it. I was like, this bitch is not worth it, says the sister. I could see that. I could see the angst in my brother because I've known him my whole life and we're also very close. And I knew on some level that it wasn't working, but I thought that I could, I could make it work. I, I had a hero complex. I thought that I could do whatever I needed to do to be with whoever I needed to be with because yeah. that's how great I am. That's what I thought about myself. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's just like, you know, pumping the air up a little bit. Okay, so we're in New York and um, I decide that I want to come back for startup stuff and fast forward another year, we're three and a half years in and she starts developing a relationship with somebody in New York, like a real one, a, a meaningful one, an emotional one. Even when I go back there, it's meaning, it's like something that she wants to be a part of. And I realized at that point that I'm not, first of all, I'm not polyamorous. I'm capable of adapting, but the emotional bond is so important to me that that was like the ultimate violation of partnership. Yeah. And I've realized my boundaries. I finally learned what my boundary was. Like, this is it. Like, yeah. I can't do this anymore, right? So I ripped myself out of the situation. One day I just picked up, got on a flight and left. That was it, all my stuff was there. We had an apartment together, we had a life together, I left. And I went into the deepest heartbreak that I've ever experienced, like really strong, depressing heartbreak. 
and my sister actually picked me up out of it. And it still, this was a year ago, and I still feel it. Talking about it now, I still feel it, angst inside, you know. Um, but I broke my own heart, which is the best thing that I could have done for myself looking back on it. Like, understanding what it's like to go through heartbreak. And having done it to myself, I was fully accountable for what I did to me and what I could potentially do to somebody else. So now I'm aware when I'm dating somebody, like all of the triggers that I experienced that I could affect in somebody else. And so now I feel like I know exactly what I want, which is the best thing that could have happened out of the situation, but it took, it took stretching myself in every which way to figure that out. And so now I'm, I'm a year out of that relationship still in love with her, still love her, but capable of loving somebody else. Do you guys still talk? Yeah. Why? Because I want to be friends with her. Why? Because I still care about her as a person. Why? Because she was an important part of who I've become. She, she helped mold me into who I am. And she knows me as well or better than anybody else in this world. And so if I can have another ally, a female ally, that would be honest with me and check me on my future relationships. Does she do that? She, not yet, but I think she can. I have faith in her. And maybe she won't. Huh. Maybe she won't. But I still think that like, <laughs> but see, so my ex-girlfriend before this, we're at that level now. It's six years removed and she is like a sister to me. So you convert ex-girlfriends into sisters. Are you an ex-girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> no, but. You're a stubborn man. Yeah. What's your sign? Libra. Oh, okay. Did you guys set boundaries in the beginning when she said, you know, I, this, I'm not a monogamous person? Yeah, be honest. That's it? It was be honest and be careful. Like, protect yourself. Okay, don't, don't bring, bring up people. STDs or kids. Yeah. Nothing in the house, no diseases, and be honest. But That's did she ever warn you that she could possibly enter into an emotional relationship with someone else? She did. And I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know if I could handle it. At that point, I was just processing like, okay, well, you're gonna fuck other guys and maybe you'll like them. Okay, well, we'll see what happens, uh -huh. right? And I didn't know what I could handle because I'd never tried it before. What do you really see yourself doing about this relationship like three, five years from now? Like in the end, do you think that this is really gonna benefit your future relationships? This is, this is not an ex-girlfriend. This is a, a huge influence on my life. It's like, I'm not letting go for a new person that I don't know. Huh. And it's not that I can't love somebody else. I'm ready to be in love with somebody else. But are you? That, I guess that's a bigger question. Are you really uh, ready to be in love with someone else? I'm trying to be centered on what happened. So you're still processing, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You were in this relationship for years. And I know for me, I was with someone for two and a half years. And it took me about two and a half years for me to actually move on from it really. Yeah, she's still in my heart, and I get it. So I know that you brought up a comment, and I agree with this, that not one person can be everything to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, but a lot of times people find that in friendships and other people that aren't necessarily sexual. I am a very sexual person. We both are. We, we're born from heathens. Our parents are just <laughs> complete, yeah. They're the worst. Right they do. Now. They really do. And now that we're adults, they tell us about it. And we're like, wow, that's even worse than us. <laughs> so it's a lot. It's a lot. Apparently, your sexual behavior is passed down through genetics. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so for, yeah. for me personally, and I, is this, I think it's the same for her, I want to have sex with more than one person for the rest of my life. I can be emotionally committed and physically committed, but at some point, I know that I'll, want, I'll be attracted to somebody else. I think that's just being a man. Maybe it is. Maybe well, the idea of being attracted versus the idea of actually doing something about it. I'm curious as what are your thoughts on that? 
for me personally, I'm okay. What I figured out about myself in this last relationship is I'm okay with somebody having sex with another person. I'm okay with my partner having sex with other men. Mm. It, it, like, it triggers something in me, but it's not violating what I see as partnership. Okay. So like, I actually think it's healthy for me to have my partner doing that and me to do it as well. But the emotional relationship, like having multiple emotional relationships is out of bounds for me. So I don't know if it's possible to have one without the other, but I know that those are my boundaries. So I tend to be a monogamous guy anyway, and I'm completely happy with that. And I think at some point, maybe 25, 30 years down the line, maybe we'll get, get to a point with my partner that we decide that we want to be with somebody else. And like the idea that somebody is open to that is important to me, but not necessarily that they're looking for it. One of the things that you really confirmed for me, which is when a guy loves a girl, when a guy loves a woman, he will do anything for her. He will move mountains for her. Part wars for her. The, the second, not issue, but like the second thought that I'm still processing is one thing is like we can't judge other couples because you have no idea what happens behind, behind closed doors. You are in like a very complicated relationship still. Even if you're not physically with her, you're still somewhat with her, intertwined with her. My friend Michelle has something to say. I'm just curious, you were talking about if you love, you know, if, if a guy loves a girl, do anything for her. Now you're looking to fall in love with somebody else. What if that somebody else says to you, if you love me, you'll stop talking to her? Ooh, nice. Mm, good question. I think, mm. so there's two things. One, if I fall in, some, in love with somebody else, this is going to fade for me. I know that I, because it's happened before in previous relationships. So that's one thing. Second is I'd question the premise. Like what, what about this is bothering my partner? Like what, where is it coming from? Is it the jealousy thing? Do you trust me? Like if, if, if those are issues aren't a problem, then yeah, I love you. If it's, not a, if it's not about jealousy and trust and anything between us, I'll do whatever I got to do because I'm in love with you, right? Mm. And this is a, in my past. And I love her, but I don't need to talk to her anymore because you're my partner. But I'd want to make sure that it was coming from the right place. Is it that you would fall in love with someone and then this relationship would fade? Or do you have to let this relationship fade before you can actually fall in love with someone else? I've had this conversation with a couple life coaches, friends of mine, close friends. And... I don't know. I mean, I think this is going to fade naturally. I think until I meet somebody that I'm really excited about, I'm going to hold on to love that I have. The, the, the last love that I have, because I'm a lover, I'm a person that loves deeply. And so I want to be in love with someone, and that's the closest thing that I have. You'd rather love someone who's no longer physically with you than not love anybody at all. Yeah, and even with my exes previously, I still love them. I'm not in love with them but they still come to my house and hang out with my family on Christmas. Like, we bring them into the yeah. family. You prefaced this in the beginning with saying that you did kind of this life, life coaching, this really, it sounds like emotional work. And so I'm curious is how much did that influence this? Do you think that was something that really allowed you to be more open to a situation like this? Or were you already that type of person? Like, what was the influencing factor for you? I was definitely not that person before I did life coaching. Not at all. It, it would have been completely cut off as soon as she told me that. That's exactly what I was hearing. I was hearing before, basically, you were a bro. Yeah. You were a bro to the ninth degree, and then you had this work, and then it kind of opened up something for you. It sounds like you were someone who's very much of a lover, and then you just like swing the pendulum all the way to the other side and move all the way to another country for, for this girl. Right. Yeah. What are some of your goals, your, your relationship goals now? What are you hoping to do this year? So I'm dating a lot. 
okay. because I want to meet new people um, and see what works for me. I'm looking for somebody that brings out the best in me. And I know what that is because I have my sister and I have my best friend. Those are my boundaries. <laughs> They're like, they bring out the goofy little kid that's fantastic, right? And so the, these guys are confident, empathetic, funny, um, they're ambitious and what, what they're doing. Critical. Smart. Okay, I'm going to say this to you. I've dated men like you. Have we dated? I don't know. Maybe we've dated. And there's a certain element that I think is really unfair. I know that the guys that I've dated who are like you, we have amazing dates. We bring out the best in each other. But there's always a level of disconnect because their heart is somewhere else. Yeah. All right, let me. I, now I got to defend him because <laughs> if if you're really willing to give your all, then that means you accept for the person for where they're at. I mean, nobody's gonna be perfect the minute you meet them. But am I supposed to just wait? Right. So uh, well, I think what you're supposed to do is, if you really care about this person, accept it. And if you can't accept it, then that's on you, and then you can't be in that relationship. So I'd make this argument. Okay. I think a guy that's been through some of the things that I've been through and done the emotional development is more ready, even though my heart is in multiple places, than somebody who hasn't. Really? Yeah, because I have the capacity now. I have the capacity to love very, very deeply, and I know what it feels like, and I know how to get committed when I want to. So like when I meet the person that I'm into, everything else stops. Like I'm in and I'm there and I do whatever it takes because that's what I want to be with. Yeah, go ahead. But didn't you also just say that you couldn't be monogamous anymore? So I'm a monogamous person. I think biologically we are supposed to be with other people. So I don't know, this is kind of a theoretical thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think that with the right person, I could want to be with them for the rest of my life, but I've been open up to the possibility that I could want that and potentially down the line 20 years be open to the idea that we could be flexible. Is that something you would drive though, or got it became something aware to you because of her and she drove it? She she made me aware to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And having yeah. gone through it, and uh, I realized why it works for some people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I don't have the answer to what I'm going to be like in 20 years or five years. Obviously, we're not supposed to be monogamous. We should be fucking around and be falling in love with other people. I mean, you just should not be with one person for the rest of your life. But it comes down to what do you want? I'm happiest in a monogamous relationship. And I actually believe in this notion of being with one person until we're ugly and nasty. I, I believe in that notion. Maybe some people don't- You'll forever that. be beautiful. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm Asian. <laughs> I'll be nasty when I'm 80. It's okay. But I guess it really depends on individually. What do you want? I want a life partner that brings out the best in me that I can grow with. Somebody that is willing to grow with me and on their own together. That's what I'm looking for. I don't need to, I don't need to be fucking other women. Like it doesn't matter that much. Like I'll probably want to, but okay, I can get rid I can get past that. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But like somebody that makes me a better human mm -hmm. is what I'm looking for. I do want to say this to our listeners at home. I know nothing about polyamory. Again, I want to learn more. So if you're in a very healthy polyamorous relationship or you're, you're, you're in a healthy polyamorous lifestyle, love to hear from you. Um, question of the day. I have a question of the day from Justin. He says, I'm a serial monogamous to a point where I don't even feel comfortable when I'm single. Is this a problem and what should I do about it? 
If you're not comfortable when you're single, how can you be comfortable in a partnership? You got to be whole. I think that, yes, you need to be comfortable with yourself and you can really discover yourself with other people. True. Yeah. Mm. So I think that, I mean, that's, that's like a big reason why we as a society come together is because we grow and we're able to do much more because of the relationships in our lives. And I think that's a big part of discovering who you are because it's influence and inspiration and just new ways of being. If you have an issue with like, you feel like you are codependent on someone, first thing to do is go get friends. Go get a bunch of, if you're a guy, go get guy friends. If you're a girl, go get your girlfriends and spend time with them. Dilute the relationships that you feel like you need in your life. You know, one of the things kind of talking about earlier is no one person can be everything. So start with getting friends. And I think that would help you feel more confident in who you are, help you feel connected, and then look for a relationship. I mean, I think friends are necessary. Don't get me wrong. But I think he needs to take a vacation or do something completely by himself. And really get comfortable with himself. Because he's always going to be dependent on someone, right? Like if it's a relationship or not. Because in San Francisco, it's common for people to go, I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to go to Bali. (laughs) It's like every weekend someone's in Bali finding themselves. I just read this book called The Untethered Soul. And it's about the five physical senses that we have. And then thinking about thought and emotion as senses outside of self. So like the concept of what self is and how meditation can help you access an inner self that's behind everything else that you experience. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend reading that um, as a starting point and then seeing how you feel. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of self-awareness. You need to develop more self-awareness. I would tell Justin to do something really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like push himself outside of his comfort zone. Go take improv classes for one. Mm-hmm. Just be really uncomfortable by himself for a bit. Go do peyote in the desert by yourself. Yes. <laughs> I would say go to a sex dungeon and get whipped. Yeah. <laughs> the Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself is by Michael A. Singer, if anybody's interested. All right, guys at home, don't forget to submit your stories. And remember, we can always keep you anonymous because... This is not really Xavier. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, stay dateable. Hey, whether you're a onesie, a twosie, a threesie, or a fourzie, you should be coming out to the onesie date party on Saturday, June 18th at the Makeout Room. Bring your friends or come make some new friends and expect a riot of a party. And did we mention, Dateable Podcast will be putting on a funny live performance of the dating game. Tickets are $20 for one or 30 for two, and they're running out fast. So get yours today by searching the words onesie party on Eventbrite or by going to our website at datablepodcast.com. Mm-hmm.